It's 2021 and with the new year comes the new semester. But last semester's Healthy on the Hill guidelines to prevent the spread of the coronavirus remain almost the same. Today, we'll look at WKU's response to the coronavirus pandemic, including what's changed and what stayed the same. We'll look at other headlines from WKU that you might have missed and hear from a WKU alumnus who's begun to work for a conservative think tank on education. It's been a while. Welcome back to the Top of the Week podcast, a production of the College Heights Herald at Western Kentucky University. I'm Laurel Deppin. What we learned uh, last fall is that we, if we wash our hands, stay six feet apart and wear our masks, uh, that we can do this and meet our mission. And so I'm encouraged uh, by what I saw in the fall semester, uh, that campus was the safest place in Warren County for you to be to avoid exposure to the virus. We didn't see any transmission in instructional settings. That's WKU President Tim Caboni in a meeting with the Herald editorial board earlier this month. He says that as the semester goes on, there may be a chance to reevaluate the guidelines, but for now, they're the same, apart from some quarantine rules. Last semester, Barnes-Campbell Hall was designated as the quarantine dorm, but demolition on the hall began earlier this month to make space for the Freshman Village Project, which is expected to open in the fall. Quarantine housing will now be in the International Villages and in a wing of Bates Runner Hall. Students who contract the virus or come into contact with someone who does may spend their isolation time there or opt to go home. Originally, every student's quarantine was 14 days, but now it's changed to 10 per CDC recommendations. Last semester, some of the students who stayed in Barnes-Campbell said some of their meals were missed or were cold. This semester, the quarantine students will receive microwavable meals so that they can eat a hot meal at any time they like. There aren't any plans for vaccine distribution specifically for the campus community, though some have asked. WKU students, faculty, and staff will receive the vaccine based on where they fall in the state's plan. That means that those in the medical field and individuals at high risk are getting the vaccines now as they're available. The Barron River Health Department stopped tracing contacts for those positive for COVID in November because of too many cases. WKU announced earlier this month that it would provide contact tracing to WKU in partnership with the health department. David Oliver is WKU's Director of Environmental Health and Safety, and he says when a student calls WKU's COVID assistance line, it starts the contact tracing process. A WKU alumnus and current professor has recently joined a conservative think tank. I talked to him earlier about what this opportunity means to him. Dr. Gary Houchins, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's my pleasure. Good to be here. Um, So could you tell me a little bit about your history in education? I know you like laid it all out in the Herald story, but can you explain it to our listeners? Sure, yeah. Well, I am a WKU graduate. I graduated in 1993 uh, with a degree in philosophy and religion and history, and later got a master's degree from uh, WKU in history as well. Um, But my career has been mostly in K-12 education. I was a middle school social studies teacher, and then I moved into school administration, uh, working my way up from assistant principal and principal to uh, district level leadership. I spent seven years uh, as an administrator in the Simpson County Schools, close by to here, uh, and I joined the faculty of WKU in 2010 in the Department of Education, Administration, Leadership, and Research, 
uh, which means that uh, mostly what I do is train school teachers who aspire to become school principals. Uh, and that, along with my uh, research and, and writing and uh, service to the K-12 community, um, kind of defines my work uh, here at WKU. So it is a real delight to now be a professor at uh, the same institution that I, I spent my own formative years. So you recently got this new um, opportunity at a think tank. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how your history in K-12 education informs your work there? Sure, absolutely. Well, by way of background, I guess, um, especially since coming to uh, WKU, I've spent a lot of time working in the field of education policy, uh, doing a lot of advocacy both around uh, improved school leadership structures, but also uh, curriculum and standards, uh, school choice, uh, and a variety of other education um, policy issues. Uh, and so consequently, I have served as a policy advisor to several state level education reform organizations. Uh, from 2016 to 2019, uh, I had the pleasure of serving on the Kentucky Board of Education, uh, where I joined uh, other board members in helping set education policy for uh, the schools that serve Kentucky's 650,000 or so uh, public school students. Uh, and so that, that those opportunities in the policy realm uh, have given me an opportunity to, to know people across the country um, and one of those organizations that uh, I've become affiliated with is the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, AEI is based in Washington, D.C. It's one of the nation's uh, oldest and uh, most respected think tanks. It's nonpartisan, but it, uh, its scholars generally operate out of a center-right or a conservative political uh, perspective. They do a lot of work on uh, a wide range of policy topics, one of which is education. Frederick Hess is their local education uh, policy scholar, uh, and I've been a follower and admirer of his work for a number of years. Uh, and so late last year, uh, Rick and his team at AEI decided to organize what they're calling a conservative education reform network. Uh, and I was invited to be a member of that network. There are about 75 people uh, who are affiliated at this point. Uh, we are, we are from a wide variety of backgrounds. Uh, many are education uh, scholars, uh, others are writers, uh, journalists, uh, and, and ad activists and, and advocates uh, who generally operate out of a sort of conservative approach to the way they think about education policy. And so uh, I was honored to be invited to join that group and very much looking forward to um, the, our collaborative efforts in the future. So can you kind of tell me what your um, ultimate goal is, like doing all of this work here at Western, but also, um, you know, taking the initiative to join a nationwide organization? Like what, what motivates you to do this kind of work? Well, my motivation from uh, the very beginning of my career was to try to create uh, the most effective learning environments for students uh, that I, I could possibly uh, uh, help to create. Uh, and, and I understand that that is always a, uh, a very local and very collaborative uh, endeavor. Schooling is ultimately uh, a, a, a community's responsibility. Uh, but I've always had a great desire to, to uh, try to help our schools be ever more effective. Uh, and that's what drove my work as a teacher and then as a school administrator. And really what motivates my uh, desire to try to shape education policy in ways that help um, 
hardworking and high quality teachers and administrators in our schools do their work more effectively. Um, I, I see every day um, the efforts that so many teachers and principals put into uh, trying to make a difference for their students. And I also see how the structures of education and education policy often stand in their way. Uh, and so I'm especially interested in how do we think differently about how we deliver uh, the public good of schooling uh, in ways that unleash teachers' innovation and creativity, in ways that empower parents uh, and students with more choices and with more autonomy over their own learning experiences. Um, and as a conservative, I think um, there are so many important policy perspectives that um, conservatives can bring to the, this, this discussion about how we improve uh, the structures of education. Uh, in higher education especially, I think um, there's been a progressive ideology that has long sort of dominated uh, the culture of higher education. Uh, and uh, sometimes, unfortunately, uh, delegitimizes and marginalizes conservative perspectives. K-12 education has not uh, been that way until uh, quite recently. And uh, more recently, we see that uh, when educators from a conservative point of view um, voice their perspectives on the topics from school choice to pension reform or, or other important issues, um, they're often painted as somehow enemies of public education. And so at, at least part of what I want to do is um, uh, affirm the importance of intellectual diversity in education, both at the K-12 and the higher uh, education level, uh, to affirm those conservative voices that I know are already out there, uh, and to show how, uh, by working with my colleagues, uh, conservative ideas can bring about uh, good, meaningful, long-lasting changes in the way we do education. Uh, and in ways that will ultimately be a great benefit to our students. Well, Dr. Houchins, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been a great pleasure anytime. And just a few more non-COVID-related things before I let you go. Last week, Cheryl Stevens, who has been the acting provost for about two years, announced her plan to retire. Stevens has worked at WKU for nine years, and she previously served as the dean of the Ogden College. The Student Government Association is beginning to have its weekly meetings masked and in person. SGA representatives say that they're working on what they began last semester, including a program that would offer free menstrual products and vending machines, and expanding the group's diversity and inclusion efforts. That's it for this week's podcast. For more news, you can get the Herald in your email inbox every weekday by subscribing to our newsletter at wkuherald.com newsletter. The print edition is still available around Bowling Green and WKU's campus with new editions out every Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the show. Top of the week will be in your feeds next Wednesday. So remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week.